podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Man United. I'm your host, Nick. I'm not your host, Alex. I'm Ashwin. And I'm Ed. Yeah, look, everybody wants to jump on the pod today, a four-man pod, because it's Sancho Day. Uh, Yeah, recording this not too long after there's been the official announcement that prices have been agreed between the clubs, Uh, so it's going to be big focus of the podcast tonight we will then also go through what's going on at the euros especially just focusing on our own players and how they fared and there's actually yeah not that many left of united players most of them are already back home now having a rest um and then yeah have a look a bit more at what's going on in the transfer market and who might be coming after sancho but yeah look let's start straight at Jaden sancho i mean this for me it was just a relief that finally it's official that the clubs have agreed something and it's been something that's been dragging on for yeah more than a year now. I remember this time last year, there was definitely Jamie, Colm and a couple of others who were pretty convinced that Sancho was coming last summer, but obviously didn't happen. But yeah, it's finally happened now. Uh, Oshwin, yeah, what are all the numbers and details of the transfer? I know that's your... Specialist subject, right? Transfer <laughs> That's the only thing I'm good for. Um, I think uh, there's been a couple of different reports, but all the English uh, sources are saying 73 million pounds. Um, and then there was a couple that said 78. But um, I think Fabrizio Romano, he had it on The Guardian at 78, but he said that the, uh, the add-ons were very difficult to achieve. So whatever the price, it definitely is much cheaper than what they were asking for last summer and also cheaper than what they started off asking for this summer. So um seems a pretty good price. Uh, he's, what, 21 years old? So presumably, yeah, he's young. He's 21. He's uh, too old. Over the hell. <laughs> in, this, in this day and age, I'm not interested if they're not, if they're not over 20. So only Ahmad. He's the only one that we care about now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, that's actually, yeah, since you mentioned him, I was going to come up later, but yeah, that I did mention before in a podcast that I did want Sancho. I wanted him last year. I think he is a damn good player, and I'm actually baffled that he's had no minutes whatsoever at these Euros. But yeah, do then worry about, yeah, where does Ahmad fit into it? Because he looked quite exciting. Is it going to limit his potential and his minutes? Uh, I mean, where? what do you think, Alex? Is this a worry or, yeah? Do you think oh, am I still going to get enough minutes, or are they going to send him out on loan? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know about whether he'll get sent out on loan or not. I think there's enough. I think there's more than enough games for him here, and and also the uh, the want for an impact sub for him to stay at the club. Obviously, we've got Greenwood, and we've still got Cavani, so there's definitely going to be a bit of a shuffling of the pack. We're not sure what will happen to Martial yet, so I think that'll play a big part in what our plans are elsewhere in the team. But but for me. I think that ultimately you want to create a culture of competition, uh, a, a culture of competition for, for spaces and places. And I think it's important that, you know, we, we don't just have a gap on our right wing that we have to fill with, you know, a teenager who's not had a great deal of minutes in the Premier League. You know, we'd be putting too much pressure on him 
putting too much hopes on him. And it's not the sort of environment that's conducive to him going on to be a success with us. It's the sort of environment that's conducive to to uh, Ahmad, you know, failing to deliver, you know, everything that we hope and dream, having to, to leave and go elsewhere. And in a few years time, he's a Sahar or a Depay, um, you know, potentially getting a, a big move elsewhere and, you know, showing what they're really made of. So I actually think that being able to take that pressure away by bringing Jaden Sancho in is is a good thing. And I think that at a club like Manchester United, you want to have that competition for places, particularly up top, and you want to also have quality on the bench. So uh, personally, I don't see it as an issue. Yeah, I mean, now we're going to have so many options, uh, you know, Cavani re-signing. And yeah, there has been a bit of talk about, is Sancho going to get the number seven shirt? Mm. Uh, you know, Cavani kind of almost broke that curse that we've had for just having terrible... Well, I think we've had about five useless number sevens in a row. Depay, Di Maria, Sanchez. Valencia. Uh, you know. Valencia, the, the original. <laughs> yeah, he didn't use one of the one who actually the curse didn't, didn't want it and was like, no, give me my give me my old shirt back. I don't yeah. want it. Uh, so yeah, Cavani has come in, not pretty bud there, but I, I anyway, I think he's probably only gonna be around for another year. So maybe it's not gonna be a big deal to him whether that shirt gets passed on, but we'll see uh, over there. But yeah, I mean, the only other one as well is Greenwood, where there's still this kind of thing. Is he mm-hmm. a centre-forward? Is he a right-winger? Where is he going to play? Uh, but yeah, look, having all these options is brilliant. And, you know, one day, if we went towards like a dream England centre-forward, like trio, Rashford, Greenwood, Sancho, uh, you know, that would be pretty amazing. Even though, yeah, this Euros, and we will talk a bit more about the Euros as go on, you know, none of them are getting game time much at all. I mean, Greenwood's mm. obviously injured. Uh, Rashford's had a few minutes here and there. Sancho, absolutely nothing, which I find a bit crazy. Did he come yeah, on the other a... day? Did he? No. Yeah. Can't... Against Germany? Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. You're right, actually. He did Against come Czech. on and have a few minutes. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he has had some minutes. You're right. I was thinking about Germany. Where I thought, you know, against Germany, against players from the Bundesliga that he knows better than anyone, that he maybe could have been unleashed there just for that kind of inside knowledge. But yeah, he wasn't needed in the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, what Ed, were you surprised that he's hardly had any minutes? Like his numbers from the Bundesliga are crazy. We are paying big money for him, even if it's less than the kind of 100 million that was touted last summer. It's still like a hell of a lot of cash being shelled out. But yeah, Gareth Southgate doesn't think he's up to it. Yeah, no, I am surprised because, well, especially for the German game, like you say, he he knows these players. He plays, well, knows most of these players and he plays against them week in, week out. He, you'd think he'd, he'd, he'd be one of the perfect choices to put on. But um, yeah, I find it a bit perplexing, to be quite honest, because, you know, well, England's got a wealth, uh, wealth of, um, what am I saying? Um, um, Forwards? Yeah, yeah, embarrassment of wealth. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's 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 like an embarrassment of wealth um, in the attacking talent. So it it it's sort of understandable, but also weird because he is definitely he's got the most assists uh, or goal contributions out of all of the um, England squad players. Yeah, but has he got the most tackles? To know. <laughs> well, why is Aaron, why is why is Aaron Wan-Bissaka not in then? Yeah, well, because he's because yeah. he's not a right winger. Well, no, I mean it's it's Saka who's getting basically ahead of him, isn't he? I mean Southgate has done this bit of a weird thing as well, where he started with Foden and then has decided he's not the one, 
uh, Saka came in, did really well, to be fair. Like, I was a bit shocked yeah. when Saka was first picked and I was questioning it, but fair play to him. I mean, he did really well in that Czech game. He was kind of okay in the German one. He wasn't amazing, but yeah, fair He did play. nothing. He, he did nothing against it. Germany. He did absolutely nothing. He had two good touches and everybody was like, you know, just going crazy about it. He did nothing. He did absolutely nothing. If you, if that was not, you know, if he, like, I, I just, I think he's overthinking it. I don't think it needs to be this complex, like, oh, I, I can't play any of these attacks. Like, I don't, just because they've won and they've gotten as far as they are, I think people are letting that those results dictate this changing narrative now that, oh, Southgate has, like, figured it out and everybody should defer to his knowledge. And no, like, look at the attacking talent they have and how many chances have they actually created in this entire in four matches now. Yeah. Like, it's it's pathetic. It's 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 like unacceptable. I think it's fine that I'm happy for you all uh, that England is winning. Uh, no, I don't know if David would share those sentiments. Uh, hey, Ashwin, knock knock. Who's there? It's it's who? It's coming. I, <laughs> it's coming. Football's coming. It's. I know what you mean. Like I, I agree that the results don't necessarily justify the selections and the formations and the system in one sense, but in another sense, I've never seen us win a big game uh, in my life. Well, it, genuinely in my lifetime of, of watching England. So to to finally be able to have done that in a tournament in a knockout game is brilliant and. I think who knows it could even it could even be the the fact that you know whether or not it's a saga, but the fact that there's all this going on in the background that Southgate might either a not be a fan of that or b totally understand and be okay with that, but feel like it could affect his on the pitch performances, or maybe just Saka brings something a bit different to the table. As Ed said, we've got an embarrassment of riches, and you know Grealish isn't making the starting eleven either, but it doesn't change him being a, a fantastic player with fantastic talent, right? So. I'm not too worried the fact that Southgate, you know, isn't doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily mean he doesn't rate him, he just hasn't played so far and I don't think we should concern ourselves too much with that. Also it's it's Gareth Southgate, so <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, and I mean the defense the de- the defense has been really good too, so he deserves credit for that. Yeah, well that's it. Yeah. I think you have to give a fair bit of credit to Southgate, to be honest. Like I've actually been a bit, you know, unsure about what he's doing and we look that Scotland game was awful <laughs> but look you can't really argue yeah look he won the group uh, he's won a knockout game against Germany alright no goals like conceded German team but yeah yeah, no goals conceded the first time ever like a team has gone four games in the Euros without conceding uh, any goals whatsoever um, so a lot if it's based on that and it actually gets us through fair enough the thing though now is with our route to the final. I think really he has to be getting to the final or now you look at it as a failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it was this round that was like the biggest worry because, you know, everybody said if we win the group, it's going to be Portugal or Germany or France. Uh, Hungary. Did... <laughs> well, right. it was close to being Hungary <laughs> yeah. for a few minutes actually, but <clears throat> yeah. And then, you know, it's also kind of worked out for us that, yeah, Ukraine next up and then it's what, the winner of uh, Czech and Denmark. Mm. Uh, so yeah, we'll see from there that really... The route to the final is looking relatively clear. 
you know, we've seen a few surprises thrown up though. So yeah, anything can happen. But I, I, I think Southgate deserves some credit. Let's not forget he got England to like the semi-finals as well. I mean, I'm mm. obviously Alex. I'm a bit older than you, so I have seen England reach semi-finals before 1990, 1996. But there was 98. I, I saw 98, but we didn't beat a decent team on on that route and then obviously got knocked out by Argentina and then I remember we beat obviously Argentina in 2000 I think it was or 2002 sorry um a penalty from Beckham in the group game but like not I've genuinely never seen us win a knockout game against a, d- a decent team you know which which is mad and in fairness one of the biggest problems that I think ex England managers have is that they have tried to shoehorn talent yeah, they have tried to get all yeah. the big players on the pitch, yeah. regardless of their position or their suitability to the game or whether they're bringing what he needs tactically. And whilst we all want to see the likes of Sancho on the pitch and Rashford and Grealish and everyone else, we haven't got 15 players. <laughs> We've got 11 and, and ultimately it's about getting results. So, yeah. But saying that, he was asked, are you going to take the brakes off now? And he said, what do you mean in an interview? So I, I think he thinks that actually... England are playing with good attacking potency at the moment, and they're just not. He can't. He can't honestly answer that question, though, right? Well, I guess not. But I mean, you could say, yeah, we, we, we you know, we might try and go for a bit more. Try, but why? Why would? Why would you? You're winning. You're getting through. Why would you go for any well, more? For what reason? You say that, but like, and I agree. I like. I I actually agree. I agree with you to an extent that he deserves credit for how good the defense has been. But all like if you play that those margins that tight, I mean all it like all it takes is Timo Werner to randomly actually convert on a chance in the first half, and you're down one nil, and that changes the entire. I don't think we'd be sitting here talking about how brilliant Gareth Southgate's you know choice to play this way has been in that scenario. And I I think like you know the the margin is tight, and right now he's winning those margins. That's what tournament football is about, isn't it? It's not about delighting fans. It's it's not about over the course of a 40-game season. It's about doing just enough, a little bit better than the opposition in each and, in each and every game in isolation. And, you know, that's 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 the end game here. I, I agree with that, but I think that they would increase their margin for error. If, I'm not saying they have to put out, you know, like, you don't have to go full pep and not play a holding mid and just have, like, yeah. six attack. But... You, I think you can do a little bit more in attack. I, I'd agree, to, to be honest. I, I, I would agree. I'd totally agree. But until the point where England get knocked out, then you've, you've kind of just got to accept it for what it is, right? If it's getting the results that we haven't had before, then it's fair enough for the point where, you know, it fails. And if we fall on our arse against Ukraine or Denmark or Czech or whoever it'll be, at that point, you can absolutely be saying, well, look, these are teams that we you know, should have we were comfortable favourites and should have had more than enough to deal with comfortably and we weren't able to do that and it didn't help that for the previous four games we were we were so pragmatic and, and negative in our mindset and to suddenly switch try and, you know, turn that switch and focus on the attack isn't isn't always easy to do. But until that point, we can only really give credit. I, I you know, not saying he's brilliant, but we can only give credit, I think, and benefit of the doubt. On paper though, I will say that the We've probably been the favourite in every game we've played so far, though. Yeah, and and you will be into the final. Well, Germany, like, kind of 50-50, but... No, maybe. no. Bookie, Bookie's had England as a favourite. England were favourite. Bookie's always had England shocking. as favourite. Not in the United States, pal. Skew it. No, no. 
But yeah, to be fair, actually, the home the home advantage has been a big thing, mm, and that yeah. actually we're going to lose. I only realised today that we have to go to Rome for the next match. I for one game, if they win, they go like yeah, through Wembley. Game. Yeah, but England are such terrible travellers. Like, and that's been the thing. Like, you know, ninety six was at home. Obviously, sixty six at home. All right, Italian ninety is one of the few times that we you know we'd gone further, and then yeah, Gareth did it last time in Russia. Uh, generally we've always been awful on the road um so yeah it does definitely take a lot away yeah uh, i think that home advantage for this german game was huge yeah especially having you know whatever forty thousand in the stadium for the first time in a long time so yeah let's see i mean but yeah ukraine should not obviously will we will be favorites for our next two games assuming we go through whoever they are out of ukraine denmark and Czech with Republic, we will definitely be the favourites, and it will be interesting to see if we went behind what Southgate did. Then that would be because we've not seen it, and like you said, he hasn't really needed to take the brakes off. But if we went behind, then yeah, let's see what he would do. And it's like I think yeah, Ed, when you did the pod last time, you said it's a very similar discussion we always have as United, where we have like McFred. And people are saying, no, it's too defensive. It should be Pogba or whatever. So it's the same discussion. Like, you know, do they need Rice and Phillips? Or, yeah, should Grealish play centre mid? Or can somebody else more progressive be over there? But, yeah, look, I can't see him changing anything at the moment. Yeah, he might change Saka or whatever. Give somebody else a run out. Well, when you say changing anything at the moment, we did change system for this game. True, true. He did, yeah, true. You would expect him to at least go back to four at the back in those two games, I would think. But may- maybe not. I don't know. What What do you think? Do you think he sticks with five, even against Ukraine and Denmark? Or well, I, I think that back three is very functional and actually it contributes more to um, attacking football than uh, a back two probably does. Back, back four, I mean, Shaw, Shaw played a part in both, role, in both goals and would he have in a back four? Maybe, you know, we obviously don't know, but it definitely gave him more license to start higher up the pitch than he had been in the previous games. So, yeah, you can you can definitely make that argument. Yeah, no, it will be interesting what he does over there, actually. Uh, I, I was kind of, I was surprised that he changed to the four because the kind of five, or I don't know, actually you call it more of a three at the back, had worked pretty well for us out in Russia. But then, yeah, somewhere along the way, he decided to shift it around and then it's gone back again. So, yeah, let's see how he goes with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I did want to just like talk about our players at the Euros. So obviously, we've already mentioned Shaw. I mean, we started with 11 players at these Euros. Henderson got injured, came home. Dallo then went out, so we had 11 again. And we're actually down to just four, uh, well, five if you count Jaden Sancho, who are still in the tournament. Most of our lads are back home. Uh, Lindelof's out, Pogba's out, Bruno out, Dallo, McTominay, and then uh, the two Welsh lads, James and Levitt. So it's just, yeah, Maguire, Rashford, Shaw. Uh, De Gea is still there, but he hasn't played any minutes and I think he's actually injured now anyway. He's he's playing in spirit because I saw Spain's keeper laying an absolute howler <laughs> yeah. the other day. So he's he's having an impact even if he's not on the pitch. I do think um, De Gea's Spain career has been a real shame, to be honest, because when he was at his absolute peak, he was never first choice. And then... Nah, he... he, he I would, but then the the whole thing that started this run of poor form from him was actually was it not the twenty eighteen World Cup where yeah, he finally was Spain's number yeah. one and had a terrible tournament and then he's never really recovered. No, yeah, but yeah, until that point, yeah. But then he was that was that was his peak, his peak, his peak, and 
he disappointed and then he's never been able to recover from it. Maybe you could say if he'd been trusted with it earlier and had more time to bed in and, you know, that he wouldn't he wouldn't have been so such a flop on his first tournament, maybe. I don't know. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean the other one as well who's had a very well, I was gonna say average, but even worse than that, Bruno's tournament. Uh, you know, <laughs> done nothing. He was in my Euro fantasy team at the start, but yeah, got rid of him ASAP because yeah, he was dropped uh came on for the end of that game uh, where they finally went out in Portugal. But I didn't think he played much for Portugal anyway. No, he does. It's like, not pre-tournament, he was in the team. In the last friendly, he was actually did really well. Like In the last friendly, he scored like one goal, had two assists, mm. and everybody was talking about how he was going to have this massive tournament. Uh, he's, he's a regular starter for Portugal, but he Is just he? was off form. And replaced by Renato Sanchez, who, like the last I remember him, was absolutely stinking up the place at Swansea on loan. Yeah. Uh, but has like kind of resurrected his career out in France and was part of this, I think, Lille team who've won the league over there. But Portugal uh, have got Gareth Southgate's dad as manager in terms of play <laughs> style and, and tactics and whatnot. Like they, a very defensive team, right? And it didn't feel like he ever really fit in that team. In the, you know, with the tactics that they've been playing to me, he also just looks shattered as he has done for the last six months. Yeah, I think that is a lot of it. Like he's a kind of interesting player because you, he's a ten. He's not. He can't play any other position. So, and they don't play like when they won the Euros, they didn't play with the ten. They don't historically play with the ten. They play four three three, and they went back to a four three three, and they played a lot better. Um, I mean, they still went out, obviously, but they improved when they went to a 4-3-3. So I just think, like, you know, I don't know who... Deco that... was a 10, wasn't he? Who? Deco. De- I mean, okay. I'm... No, we're talking about this team. <laughs> I'm not talking about, you know, previous you decades. Said historically, I'm just saying, I think Deco okay. was a 10. The history of the current Portugal team. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like, they just don't play with the 10. So I think that he's a very... You know, like maybe you can play him on the right. I don't know. I don't. Mm. I think he's just a ten, and that's what he is. And uh, everything needs to go through him. Yep. I, I do yeah. think. I mean, even for United, as much as he looked knackered, I don't think it was a coincidence that as Pogba regained fitness and got back into the team more at points, we were probably playing better as a team because we had Pogba as well as Bruno, who was creating. But Bruno's creativity and productivity did go down. So did it's his general involvement and the ball just wasn't going through Bruno constantly anymore. That cycle of possession seemed to to change and switch. And, you know, I, I, I wonder if there's a similar sort of thing. One, he's not in the centre at the 10 and, and he's kind of out wide, but not really out wide and in this kind of weird position. But then also they're not much of a possession team, that team, or at least they haven't been in, in this tournament, maybe, maybe in part because of the the type of fixtures and the uh, the quality of the opponents that they've had. But he, you know, the ball just isn't being worked through him over and over again as it is for us. So it's it's just a very different situation for him than what he's been used to at United. Yeah, but I mean, look, the only positive of it is that he's getting a rest that he well needed. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, you mentioned Pogba. I mean, he's the opposite. He's having an, He was having a stormer of a tournament, bangs in top bins like finish uh, in that game over there. But uh, they've gone out. And he was kind of looked almost on the way to like, it looked like written that France are going to win it and Pogba's going to be player of the tournament. But somehow they managed to throw away their 3 1 lead and Pogba's on his way home as well. He did, he did what he does for us. He, he sort of got ahead of himself and he was loose on the ball in his sort of last third. 
and then not quite. It wasn't quite last third. Not not quite last. Closer to the uh, halfway circle, but he st- he still lost the ball in a crucial area that was turned over and then scored from. Yeah, yeah, you did. and did you see, actually, there was this whole thing where there was this massive argument between the Pogba family and the Rabiot, like, uh, Rabiot's mother is, like, his agent, and apparently there was this whole fallout because in the first half, Rabiot had given the ball away a couple of times, and apparently Pogba brothers or whatever there were, like, moaning about that. So when Pogba gave away the ball, apparently Rabiot's mother, like, behind them, starts giving them sticks, saying, look what your fucking brother's done. And there was some big, like, fallout. And then apparently Mbappe's family got involved as well. So, yeah, there was all this, like, plenty of, like, press in France about it. But, you know, I'm actually, yeah, as I say, I'm actually recording out this sat in Marrakesh. And here they support France massively. And all the French news is, the, like, the big thing. Um, so, yeah. Here they're all talking about this like family feuds and all the French players, and that's why they. It's like mafia, isn't it? Yeah, I'm convinced that Pogba, you know that that's that's Paul Pogba that's playing for France there, and then the guy that's been playing for us is one of those two brothers. <laughs> and then what? Because because at least one of them, maybe both, are professional footballers, right? But at a lower yeah, level, like, yeah. I remember one of them we actually played in, in the Europa League at one point. I'm convinced that Paul just goes and. Has a bit of a of a, as a you know has a bit of a nice time for a season over in the French league you know the French second division or wherever it is and we get one of his brothers for a season and then Paul just turns up uh, turns up for the Euros and and for the World Cup and and that's the real player um yeah I there needs to be some sort of check that's happening if there isn't already to make sure that you know we're not being uh, we're not being short handed here. Well, Mourinho, you know, I remember this was the start of the kind of fallout between Mourinho and Pogba, wasn't it? I remember when he came back from that World Cup and he'd had a great World Cup. Mm -hmm. And then people asked him, like, you know, about, yeah, what do you think about Pogba? He's had a great World Cup. And, you know, Mourinho could have just said, I'm really happy for him, looking forward to him coming back and having a great season. But instead, being fucking Jose, he said... Yeah, well, you know, it's different with France and he needs to focus when he gets back here. He doesn't have any distractions. So, you just, yeah. you know, he used it as an opportunity to slag him off, basically. And I remember that was like a big that kind of start like of Jay their Zane. fallout. <laughs> it's very, very unlike him, too. Mm. <laughs> you know, he's been getting his digs in at Luke Shaw as well, still. Uh, it's just great to see Shaw, like, proving him wrong every time. Um, but yeah, look, Pogba, it's that, I don't know, there is that dilemma. I think it goes a bit far where people say, look, how can he be so great for France and not great for us? I thought he has actually had a very good season for us, to be fair to him. But like you say, we saw in that France game, he's given away the ball, it's led to a goal, and it's that kind of thing that happens. He, he, gave one, he gave one ball away, but he also made a hell, of an, you know, a hell of a number of recoveries and tackles and interceptions and was generally both, both defensively disciplined as well as being absolutely incredible with the ball going forward unbelievable some of the some of the passes that he played in that game and just across the tournament like I, I haven't watched a montage of him at this this tournament yet but you you'd think that he'd played the full tournament three times over just from the the four games that he did play some absolutely sensational pieces of play from him and I, th- I think there's a different intensity to his game when he's played for France than there is for United he's He's far more switched on and far more invested in what's going on on the pitch. Yeah, because the Pogba we get's in the stands. That's the problem. 
<laughs> no, like you know, France do France do play a different system, right? And it's also goes back to Juventus days where they actually played similar system where it's more like a three man midfield. Uh, it's, and it's a bit more like maybe how Pogba plays when he plays on the left side for us rather than when he plays more in like the midfield too, uh, which he's done a fair bit. No, this I don't year. know if I agree. Quite a lot of the games for France, he's ended up being, you know, fairly defensively deep but central yeah. and, and somewhat of a pivot. But he's got runners. He's got energy around him in Kanté, and he's got runners. He's got runners in every direction. Like for that game, they switched as well to mm. three at the back, which again people were like found a bit bizarre, and uh, they only started playing when they got rid of that third defender. But until that, they've been playing like Kanté, uh, Pogba, and Rabiot all in midfield, and it's the same kind of setup he had at Juventus, where there's two others around him. So it's, it's quite. It's not the way we set up at all. Like we rarely. It was, the only times we've always tried it a bit is when he's kind of done that more like diamond style which he played a bit at the, like the start of the season and may, yeah and some people maybe say that is the way that suits him where it's just a bit more of a freer role uh, where for United if he plays in a two he has a lot more like defensive responsibility he gets through a hell of a lot of defensive work for France no yeah he does he does but he doesn't he's not required to do it he's not like the intensity of of international plays not at the level of club football at this point it's just not like you you can visibly see it right I mean France okay they their team is amazing but you watch who they who they lose to what was it Switzerland Look at that team. How many? Yeah. How many of those players would you say are even top half of the Premier League starters? How many? Shaka. So one. <laughs> I wouldn't. But he's not. Shaka is not. Shaka is not a good <laughs> starter. It was a joke. He was a starter for Stoke. Yeah, and it, and it's not. A, and that's not a <laughs> knock on Pogba's performance at all for France because he was amazing. He was really incredible. But I think it's easier to get dialed in for what you're there for a month. It's a lot easier to focus on. Okay, fine. If I sacrifice these two or three things um, for a month, we'll probably win the World Cup or we'll win the Euros or whatever it is. It's a lot easier to to put your ego aside for a little bit and just play within a team concept for a month. Whereas if you know he comes to United and then it's it's a different, it's just a different. I mean, he when he signed for United, right? He was the world record transfer. They clearly were billing him as the player that they were going to build everything around. He was the star man who was going to, you know, he was coming back to the club where he came up through the academy. It was this entire thing, right? It was like, it wasn't just about, oh yeah, we're just getting you to play midfield. It was about, we are, you're the next star that's going to launch us into a new dynasty, whatever it is. Um, And that hasn't happened. And I think also, You've seen players like Rashford, his profile has raised up. Obviously, as soon as Bruno came in, um, that was a player that took a lot of attention and of the plaudits and all that kind of stuff that, that you know, I think is part of club football. Like the, the ego element of all that is definitely um, very real. And I think that that's part of it. And I think that's actually something that um, Ole probably deserves a little bit of credit for in terms of managing Pogba and getting him to to buy into yeah, a variety Pogba, of things. He, yeah, we shouldn't forget, he has had a good season. Yeah. He's had a good season this year, right? I'm sure all, everybody agrees, right? He's had a good season this year. It's not like he's... Probably his best season since he came back. I Yeah, I mean, you could, whatever it is, he had a good season, though. Like I, Other than, what, the Europa final when everybody played horribly? I, I don't think that there's much to point. Like, yeah, he had a, he had a really good season. Um, and I thought for... 
he got hurt in the middle of it, right? Because I thought he had a stretch yeah. in the middle of the season where he looked like the best player in the Premier League um, for a little bit. Like, they had that goal he had against Fulham was incredible. Um, but he strung together a few performances then that were really, really impressive. And, um, you know, I, that's just the frustrating thing with him, though, is like, he he'll have he'll finally get into form and then it seems like when he's once he's finally in form then all of a sudden he'll pick up like an injury and he'll be out for a month or two months and then we kind of he comes back and then we get treated to less than informed Pogba and then we have the same discussions over and over again um I don't know I he I I do think that like there's an argument to be made that if you get a really good offer for him it it might but just be time to sell him and move on because like you know I just don't know what the end game is for us as like as a club. Like if he's genuinely not interested in in extending his contract, then what is the purpose of keeping him right now? Um, I think that like for the benefit of the club, that you have to move on. And I think another thing to consider is he has been more injury prone the last two three years. And what he's twenty eight now. Uh, he's been playing at the top level since he was eighteen. Um, like he has a lot of miles on him. He's a very physically gifted player. Um, it, it's something to consider that, you know, do you want to, if you sign him, if it, let's say he, he wants to stay, if you sign him, what, he gets a contract until he's 33, 34, probably. Is that what you want to commit to? Are you comfortable committing to that? I, I, it's a very interesting situation. I, I would very happy. I don't have to make a, a choice. No, I think the club will be absolutely happy for him to like extend. I think the biggest issue now is we, you know, it's really bad that we've got into this situation with this arsehole of an agent of letting him be <laughs> in like the last year of his contract. Like you do not want. To, I don't know. You know, it's only because of how things have been a bit disrupted in the background with changing managers and all that, and how it's happened to get to this far. Because if he left again on a free, then fuck me. After how much money we pissed away on Pogba that would be like a disgrace so yeah he has to extend or leave this summer basically there's no he can't stay if he's not re-signing he's got to go well he can he can just he can just stay <laughs> he could just if we don't get a good offer in that either we're willing to accept or we yeah you know we drop our pants a little bit because of the situation but if it's not somewhere that he's interested in then he's he he can say I'll uh, I'll fancy my chances. We'll see what happens. We might win something this season, and from January I can start accepting offers, and those offers will come with big signing on bonuses as well because the teams are saving on the transfer fee. So you know the the the, the, the fans got coming back in the stadium. There. He will get so much abuse if he doesn't sign a new contract and stays at Old Trafford. Like you know, there's already quite a lot of the match go fan base who would be happily see the back of him for all the yeah, things that yeah, have gone yeah. on before. Yeah. Um, I mean personally I would I'm okay with him. I'm sure all those millions will help will will help with the fan pressure though. I don't think yeah. that matters that much, personally. Yeah. I don't I think it will care. What you think if Paul Pog goes out and gets booed by like thousands of people in Old Trafford that he won't care. Of course he'll care. Of course he'll care, but it'll just confirm to his decision, won't it? And that just hurts us ultimately. Like I don't see the benefit of that for anybody. No, it, well, I'm just saying it'll like cause like whatever. Yeah, he, and he, he, I'm sure he will care about it. Like he's got a massive ego. He wouldn't be the so first. He like, wouldn't be the first player to run down his contracts. Nick, and, and, well, he would you know, be. You, he would be at Manchester United. He would be at Manchester United. Yeah, but generally, and the fan, the fans aren't going to boo every week. Not when they think there's an actual chance of us winning something this season. He might get a bit of stick at the start of the season. If we he haven't had to, like a player sign, who has like it. forced a free transfer. I mean, he did it as a kid, and you know, youngsters have left us. But we have not had a big name player 
who has <laughs> like Piper? gone into last year of contract and left on a free. Yeah, just say, hey, but, but like, say what? Say what? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's never happened before. It's an unprecedented so? thing at Manchester United for players to do that. And he did so it. Like, and he, he, he went into the that one scenario. Done it before. So what makes you think that he wouldn't? Wouldn't and couldn't do it. Again. I also think it's also happening more commonly now around Europe because of the like how inflated the transfer fees have become, right? Because of the Neymar fee, yeah. plus yeah. COVID. Yeah, like yeah, that that too. Like Wijnaldum just did it, right? He just he just ran his contract out and he left. Aguero, yeah, Aguero, so, uh, um, Depay. Depay, yeah, like a lot of players are doing. This no, thing. Aguero's in. Aguero's like at the end of his career. That's a no, very no, but he's a club. He's a, from players. I don't think who so. in like their Ramsey. prime years. He wanted to stay though. Huh? Aguero wanted to stay, so that's not like a not, like he actually wanted to stay, and that was the Pep deciding. Yeah, so yeah. that's not a player running down his it's, contract. It's then. not, but I, I'm that's saying City saying it's time for you to move on. It's all right. We're you know you've re- we've reached that point. We're all happy. I'm talking about you know. Players who like go and like, yeah, it has happened to like play, Liverpool have had a couple, uh, whatever. We've never had any big name, main like, you know, first team player who's run down their contract and left on a free. It's not happened at Old Trafford before. What about Ender Herrera? So, yeah. yeah, all right. He's probably like the closest that United did actually want, but you wouldn't actually, say he's like a star, like big player or whatever. But yeah. That is probably the biggest example recently. But, and again, that was kind of as well, like in a bit of an era where we were changing managers and, you know, it does sometimes happen there that contracts don't get renewed because you're not sure if a new manager wants a player. Uh, And yeah, it's part of the reason why Pop has got to this point as well, really. But yeah, look, let's see, let's see. As I say, fans are going to be back. I I actually think he will stay and he will re-sign and let's see how long it goes for. That's what I expect to happen, and he's going to obviously get paid some absolutely obscene amount of money. Removing nuance from it, removing nuance from it, Ushwin, stick or twist on Pogba? Uh, One word, one word answer. Twist. Stick or twist? Twist. Twist. Add. Stick. Nick. Stick. I'm also twist. Interesting. All right, so yeah, fifty-fifty, yeah, yeah. Look, and like you know, you start seeing stories like, uh, oh, let's swap Pogba for Varane. I would do that, to be fair. Like, I no, I'd, but I you would, would you right would need that. to get a fee though. Like, see, that's the that's what makes this is why like American sports are so much easier to do. Like, the player trading works very easy in American sports. It doesn't work in in football. Like, it does not. It's because if you United are rightfully going to view Pogba as a more valuable asset. Yeah, but one year left on the contract. But, but like, it's it's also, like, there's also so many things involved here, right? Like, if you're Paul Pogba, you don't want to be seen getting a a, a straight, trans, like, even transfer for Varane, right? Like, you're the... I mean, it might not be an even, like, who knows? I'm just saying, like, about, you know, who, I'm not saying it's a straight swap. I'm just saying it's the kind of thing that's being mooted. Uh, I, again, I, these things often don't happen. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we have. We, we we did, like, yeah, Mkhitaryan went one way. We got Sanchez. Uh, both clubs lost out, basically. Both were useless. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, so we'll see if we go down that road. Uh, but, yeah, look, going back to some of the Euro play, look, Pogba, yeah. the Pogba scenario... Is going to go on this summer. He and did have an incredible tournament. We've, we've taught the Pogba scenario to death, really, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, look, let's, like I say, we have had other players over there. I mean, uh, Lindelof was the last one to go out. And again, a bit of a surprise. And yeah, we could have been playing Sweden. Most people probably thought Sweden were going to win and would play England. But uh, they managed to get uh, go out to Ukraine. Um, better for us, I'd say. And yeah, I saw Lindelof was at some point 
definitely partly at fault for the goal uh, to see. I mean, not totally, but wasn't that surprised to see him being the one playing the guy on side, basically. I mean, I, oh, you can't blame him for that. Of course, I can blame him for that. There's a player scored a goal. One player has played him on side, and it's Lindelof. Nick can blame him for global warming, Ed. So. Yeah, look, I, I'm happily ready. To, I've, I've not been a fan of Lindelof for a long time. I think he's an all right squad player. But I, you know, that'll be the next question after Sancho. Which is the next priority position? And for me, it is centre-back. For me, centre-back is the priority position where we need to improve for me. And it's why I said that even though I'd keep Pogba, if you talk about bringing somebody like Varane in, I would actually like consider it because, yeah, that is the area I most want us to improve after now, having done Sancho. I uh, don't know where you guys are on that, because I know a lot of people talk about saying they want a defensive midfielder, some chat about a, a, a right-back. Uh, I mean, Ed, what do you think is the next priority after Sancho? Well, I prefer a defensive midfielder because I think you can get away with Lindelof for one more season if that's the budget. But if if you can get both, or, yeah, I'd probably, probably a centre-back, really, but... I mean, to be fair to Lindelof, he had a relatively good tournament. I did see he got man of the match in at least one game earlier as well. As well, I think that was a nil-nil with Spain, actually. Um, so, yeah, he did have an all right tournament. So, yeah, I, I am picking out that one mistake, but it was the mistake that sent them out in the end. Wasn't even a mistake. Uh, he was in line. Well, he's not in uh, Sometimes a goal's just a good goal. So. Yeah, I, I'm with Ed here. I think, like, people want to blame Lindelof because it's funny or something. Um, I wa- I didn't think that I was an example of Lindelof going full Lindelof. No, it wasn't an awful error or anything, but yeah, it was something to pick out. Uh, I mean, yeah, the other couple of players that we, I mean, our first player out was Scott McTominay of Scotland. Uh, obviously, Jamie, it's <laughs> sad to see that. And I know you had big <laughs> chats about Scotland on the last pod, so we don't yeah. need to go into that too much. But yeah, I thought he had a relatively decent tournament. You know, he played yeah. a bit centre-back, played a bit centre-midfield. I think he he did what he can in like a kind of average Scotland squad. Maybe basically. maybe he's the answer to your Lindelof problem, Nick. <laughs> what to play centre back? There you go. It's been talked about, but no, I actually think he's a good midfield. I think he's massively underrated. McTominay, I think, is one of our most underrated players. And uh, actually, like, yeah, are you said Jamie? Today, like on Twitter. Are you? What well, <laughs> did I, Jamie <laughs> take over your I, soul? <laughs> No, yeah, look, I've always been a fan of Scott, and I think he takes way too much like stick. And I think both Fred and McTominay take too much stick. I, I think that they're like both decent players. They both do have their limitations. Uh, but yeah, you know, they're people... Lindelof. They're Lindelof in midfield, as far as I'm concerned. They're good players. They're not great players. Well, they're they're they're, they're all they're all players that are being asked to do too much because of our failures actually in the transfer market, which that they you know like. You're not replacing them yet because who knows why. Um, and you're in the middle of a squad. Like, you can't appeal. You know, I've seen people always talk about, like, sell Lindelof, sell Fred. Like, okay, you sell them, and then you just create another hole that you now have to address. That's not the way you build a squad. You know, like, I think we're actually pretty close to the point where you can start, okay, Lindelof is somebody that we can get a decent fee for, and then we replace him with somebody younger that we can develop. And, like, you're closer to that point but you're not there right now. So if you sell somebody like Lindelof, you're just, I mean, then what? You have Maguire, uh, Axel, who looks like he might be going on loan. Uh, and I, I won't be talking about selling yeah. Lindelof. No, no I, I know I you're not. I'm just squad player. I know, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to make the, I agree with you. Like just the idea that both those players are, they're good squad players. Like just because they're not starting 11 quality 
Um, but we at what we're asking them to be because we don't have other options. So it kind of just magnifies their weaknesses and people get sick of it. But I don't think they are the problem. And I actually think they're part yeah. of the solution if we strengthen the squad. But also, yeah, you know, you talk about like, all right, defensive midfielders and one of them who's been talked about a lot is Declan Rice. And I've seen him playing now on the international stage for England. Of course, I've seen him play in the Premier League. But now, yeah, you see him like several games in a row. And I don't think that Declan Rice is any better than Scott McTominay. And that people talking about paying sixty million for him is like absolutely ridiculous. I totally agree. To be honest, though, this is this is kind of my challenge with the the Lindelof thing. I agree that we need an upgrade. I just don't know who that upgrade is because I think a lot of the players who we cast our eye around, you know, cast our eye around at and look at and think, oh, they look all right for that club in that situation they're in right now. You drop them into, you know, the pressure cooker that is Manchester United, and. Yeah, they're still a good player, but they're not a great player. And you've just spent, you know, 50, 60 million upgrading a player to someone of the same level. And and that's the sort of situation that that would happen with a Declan Rice. I think at least with the midfield, you can go for a defensive focused, combative midfielder who you would like to think would, would enable us to get more out of Pogba. Whereas with centre-back, we're going to be getting the same sort of player as Lindelof, just someone who we hope ends up being a bit better, um, which is which is kind of like my challenge with filling that position. Whereas at least with midfield, you're changing the style of the player that we're looking for because as far as I'm concerned, both McTominay and Fred are eights, box-to-box. They've got an engine. They're not a stay-back and get your foot in and tackle. Yeah, they can do that, but it's not the primary or sole part of their game, which is kind of what we're maybe looking for to mix things up a bit. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of like where my challenge is. I think both both roles are really important. I just think with Lindelof, it's so difficult because if you put Lindelof next to a Van Dyke, you don't need to upgrade him. You need to upgrade him because it's Maguire that he's next to. No, Maguire, Maguire is damn good as well, you know. Maguire's damn Maguire's good, but he's not good tournament. enough. He's got good enough to mean that Lindelof's failings aren't an issue. But I just feel like yeah, all, the other, all the other players <laughs> that are available at centre-back are of Lindelof quality, I think, if you put them in. The same as you were saying about Declan Rice and McTominay. Varane is an upgrade on Lindelof. Maybe not Varane, but even Varane isn't what we thought he was going to be and, no, and has somewhat been no. in Ramos's shadow for years. Yeah, and... I think what'll help Varane is that Maguire is, he's a leader. Um, and I think Varane needs to play next to somebody who's more vocal and can kind of direct things. Whereas, and you can just let Varane focus on being Veron, whatever that means. Being a defender. Yeah. yeah. Like he doesn't have to hold anybody's hand. Yeah. Like, and, and since we were talking about Fred, yeah, I mean, we're focusing on the Euros, but there is the Copper America going on as well. And Fred and Cavani are out there. Uh, the only other one who could have been there and he was not selected is Tellez. Uh, but Fred has actually been like one of the most important players for Brazil at this tournament. Uh, and he hadn't played for them for like several years. You know, he's not been in the squad for about three years. Uh, he had been previously. He's come in. He's the, uh, there was only about four players who played like every Brazil group game to get them through. And it was like Neymar, you know, the other big names. And then Fred was like one of the few. And even like the rights of Fabinho were not playing as much as him, who most people would say is higher rated. Fred played every game until they were already through. And then they put out a full reserve team in the last group game. 
And he's like, uh, you know, again, he's a player who gets loads of stick from all around and lots say he's not good enough. But I, I think, again, that he's underrated. I mean, he, yeah, again, we know he does have deficiencies. He's not the creative one. He's not going to score. But, yeah, he does his thing. And, uh, you know, the Brazil manager at the moment is saying, yeah, he's doing an important job. Uh, Cavani's out there and scored a couple of goals as well. Uh, I've not watched much of this. I don't know, Oshwin, if you're, that's your time zone. So do you watch so much of the Copa America? It's... The quality is so much worse than the Euros. Um, I've watched a little bit of it. I haven't. I've I've watched like a, a little bit of Brazil games. I haven't watched any of it uh, with a close eye. Um, I think like from what I've seen of what little I've seen of Brazil, and if somebody listening to this wants to correct me, but it seems like Fred is not. He's not playing. They're not playing. They're using a three in midfield pretty often. I think his worst game was against Colombia when they actually played a four four two. And so then he was just in the midfield too. Um, but when they've played a three, he plays in a box-to-box role, and I think he's a lot better in that role. Um, and that's also, you know, I don't... I believe when he was at Shakhtar, they also played um, similarly with the midfield three, which allowed him a lot more freedom to kind of play box-to-box. And I just, you know, that's kind of when you watch him play, you can see why when we when we're sitting deep, and we're just trying to play on the counter, then having him and McTominay in the pivot isn't... That's fine. That can work. But when we're trying to take uh, the game to somebody who's sitting deep or uh, on even footing, I think that's where you kind of see where their limitations are positionally and on the ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I I kind of agree with that, but I I, I just generally see that the likes of McTominay, Fred, just get too much abuse. Yeah, I agree. I think they're good options. And that's why, for me, centre-back is higher priority than defensive midfield. I think they get too much abuse, but I also think their squad plays in a successful United yep. team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah I, I think I would... I agree with Ed, though. I think defensive midfield. Like, if you can get... Not just defensive midfield, but if you can really get somebody who can start playing passes out from the back and taking the ball yeah, to centre-back... You know, and, who... Yeah. You're, 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 like I say, you're the transfer rumor king for us. So yeah, who, yeah, I've seen a couple of names mentioned. I don't know if you can add any, but yeah, some people talk about Bissouma. He plays well for Brighton. It's, it's but Brighton. He's good enough for us. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I've even seen now people start saying, yeah, well, is it Calvin Phillips is as good as Declan Rice on the showing of this tournament? So I, I think like the the different players. Yeah, I think the biggest yeah. thing is. The type of player we're talking about is basically a Michael Carrick, right? And I have no idea. Yeah. Carrick have, or a young Matic. And I, and I have no fucking clue who that player is in the transfer market. So I, mean, it's, I can sit here and tell you what we need, but if you want me to just give you a name, I have no idea. Uh, I think that's the hardest type of midfielder to find. I think there's a reason for that because that skill set is so valuable and rare and unique. Um, I've seen people talk about Locatelli, who I I have never watched him until the Euros. He looks really good, but I don't see him as a player who is sitting from the back and playing balls. Through the line. He looks much more of an all-action type. Um, like, I, I saw today we were linked with Goretzka. You know, he's another one who's very much, like, his best... The reason he's so good for with Bayern is kind of, like, how much they high-press and also just how good he is when he gets forward. And I just don't see that as, like... You know, I don't think that's the type of midfielder that we're all talking about. Isn't um, Sol Niguez uh, wanting out of Atletico? I, I, yeah, I've seen some links to him. Yeah, he's been mentioned. 
but you know, there's so many players mentioned. For those who said stick on Pogba, is what Pogba needs a Michael Carrick, or is what Pogba needs a Ndidi or someone like that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I say, it does seem to fit well with Kante. Uh, but yeah, they talk, you know, when he was at Juventus, he had like Perlo, who is quite similar mm-hmm. to maybe Carrick. But uh, he also uh, had so, Vidal yeah. and, you know. I'd say yeah. Carrick. That's yeah, yeah. Lot, that's it. We have, yeah, and that's it. Who is like, who is the Carrick in the modern game? Exactly well, what Oshwin said. I think, I think that's why people like the idea of Phillips, because you can see when you watch him play sometimes, like yeah. his passing range and stuff. But I mean, the level of yeah. care, like, I, I'm sorry. I, I like Phillips, but that's asking a lot of him. I, I think that role, it has to be someone exceptional or it's a wasted role. Yep. Especially yeah. when you've got Maguire in yeah. the team. I think you, if if there's someone brilliant at that role, absolutely you get that player. But otherwise, if they've only got pretty good passing range, it's just not worth it. It's, there's no point in having it. You would, at that point, rather someone getting out, you know, getting about the pitch and being super aggressive in their play and, you know, you know, someone a bit more combative. That, that's what I would say. I guess, like, the the attraction of Phillips is that he's kind of a mix of both, but I just that think that means that he's not great at either. Yeah, so to go back to some of the players we've not mentioned since you mentioned Maguire, I, I think he's had a damn good tournament after obviously missing the start of it. And, uh, yeah, I think I'm... Good that he's had some kind of break in the middle because he played ridiculous amount of minutes last season. Uh, you know, England, as we say, have not conceded a goal. I think Shaw and Maguire have been a big part of that, even though they haven't played every single match. I think they are first choice now. Um, Rashford, you know, has not had that many minutes. I think a lot of it is to do with injury, but it does seem to be Southgate's first choice to replace Kane up front when he wants a bit more kind of movement and speed in there. He's not really been playing him wide. I mean... Sterling, I, I don't think he's had great performances, but he scored the goals, so you can't really argue with him keeping his place, basically. Um, and then yeah, the two players we haven't mentioned at all and uh, is James and Levitt, who are people, a lot of people who forget Dylan Levitt as well, being a Manchester United player. A lot of people don't even know him. Never mind, forget about him. Yeah, yeah, well, look, he was one of our players over there. He had, I think, 10 minutes in one of the group games. Mm. Uh, he, he had a really bizarre loan this season. He was actually at Charlton Athletic for a bit, I think, and did okay, and then ended up going out to Croatia and playing for some random team in Croatia. And I don't know how that happened. Apparently, there's some link between, like, an agent who works with us a fair bit. Uh, and, you know, we had as well, Palestri yeah. went out to Alaves. And I think there's some, like, one of these big dodgy like super uh, <laughs> groups who own Alaves and this Croatian Sounds like team. the sort of thing you'd be involved in. <laughs> <laughs> they, have a, they have a Moroccan club too. Yeah, 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 yeah well, that's it. Is that why you're over in Marrakesh? Going on. <laughs> yeah, get, getting the next loan deal for uh, yeah, our players out here. Dan James though. Yeah, yeah. Dan James had a good tournament. Uh, really good tournament, you know, I, I thought. For, for Dan James, Dan James had a good plays. tournament. <laughs> well, he plays on the he plays on the left as well. That's the thing I've said for so long that well, he always is playing on the right for us. But he looks so much more comfortable whenever he plays on the left. And yeah, maybe now Sancho coming in means we're not always shoehorning somebody onto the right side who doesn't necessarily want to play over there. It was putting in crosses with his weak foot as well, which were just you know I wouldn't say sublime, but they were they were definitely top top crosses. 
He did have a renaissance was this season. It's not really yeah. a renaissance, is it? He's a kid, but he did have a he did have a spell of form with us this season. To be fair, scored a couple of important goals as well. Yeah, and and yeah, was yeah. a, was a did, valuable squad player after being nothing for over a year, basically, literally pretty much nothing, like no net value there. But he then did have quite quite a pretty good spell with us, and hopefully, all these learnings he'll he'll take forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought he had a really good time. And I also think we were probably too quick to brush over Luke Shaw because I, I think he's been one of England's best players in the all the matches that he's played. That he didn't play that yeah. first game that Trippier was chosen was just ridiculous. I'm pretty sure that decision was only made to justify the selection of all the right-backs. So he could say, see, I told you, I told you that I might use one of them at left-back or somewhere else. Um, <laughs> but after that, Luke Shaw's come in, cemented his position but also being fantastic and was also a big part of both goals uh yesterday yeah. against germany he you know obviously played the ball you know and, and gave the assist to sterling for the opener and it was a fantastic ball absolutely brilliant ball just you know put it in exactly the right area and uh just faultless and you know something that he's been doing for united this season when we, we'd not really seen it before but then also for the second goal he was the one who Won the ball on the halfway line and no and did what we know he can do, which is drive it inside and up the pitch, and then passes it on to someone else who, you know, produces a, a fantastic cross for for the winner. So, yeah, like he's he's had a brilliant tournament, and like the the last twelve months, the turnaround from the start of the season when we were all praying for Tellez to come in and replace him as the number one has been absolutely transformational. Mm, yeah. Um, I mean, he's been great. Ashwin still wants Tellers to be starting now. Like, he's still not over. <laughs> yeah, he's I, still not over. Yeah. Sure, he's, he still hasn't accepted that Shaw's turned it around and is actually a pretty damn good player these days. So, but other other than other than that, we're all we're all well behind Luke these days. I think I think Tellers he he could probably start for our U twenty threes. He's have a pretty good chance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, as I said, he's not he's not gone to the Copper America. Brazil decided he was literally yeah, just. Good. Just like transferred in to be Luke Shaw's coach, like, <laughs> just he just there to. I mean, he just one, he have some competition, but also just to teach him how to cross a ball and. He, he's just there to it. to play, you know, whatever amount of minutes that we need Shaw to rest. Yeah. That's it. That's the only reason he's there, um, and I think that's basically what they're trying. That's why Ed's on the podcast? Yeah, it's I don't know. Tellers is it's fine, um, but Shaw, no, Shaw was great, and I think. I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he, you know, I saw there was that huge threat in the calf after um, he came out and said a few things about Mourinho. I mean, first of all, he was asked about it, so he didn't just bring it up out of nowhere. Um, and I saw a lot of people talking about, you know, he should be the bigger person and he has to, you know, he can't, he's going to get distracted. And it's like, do you really think he steps on the pitch and like, you know, he gets the ball and he's like, oh my God, what is like Jose Mourinho going to say about me? Um, I don't, but I just think that like, it's kind of insane to think that I forgot actually reading through that thread. I forgot how many crazy, ridiculous things and incidents there were between him and Mourinho. Um, and most, I mean, all of it was, it was full of, and it was, yeah. And it was all Mourinho too, right? It was not like Shaw was yeah. doing anything. So I forgot. And it's like, I just think I'm happy for him that he said something and I'm happy that he had the game he had. Um, and he's at the tournament he's had, he's at the season he's had because um, you know, he, nearly lost his career that's the best time to say something as well isn't it you stay quiet you get your head down you get on with it 
you prove him wrong and that's when you and in fairness like you say he's only saying something because it's still something that Mourinho mentions and you know seems seems to take issue with uh, otherwise you know he wouldn't it wouldn't have been a topic at all so yeah fair play to the lad I mean Mourinho was trying to push him out of the club more or less right um mm. I just wonder who Mourinho thinks told Luke to do that interview and to say those things because he doesn't give him credit for making decisions himself, right? So, who's <laughs> who's his laser well, focus going to be? Did, on that did you hear the part of the of the answer where they he said something like the people around him told him that he would end up outlasting Mourinho, so he stayed. Like that was, I thought that was the best part of that entire answer. Yeah, although it does annoy me that it, I do I, I do dislike that in players. Gen, not it's just the reality of the situation. So I'm not saying they shouldn't think it. But it does frustrate me that players know that they can outlast a manager and therefore don't necessarily have to buy into what's being asked of them. In Luke Shaw's case, that that was correct because <laughs> he was he wasn't being treated fairly. But generally, it's not a trait that I'm a massive fan of. Luke Shaw also said he learnt a lot from Mourinho and he did buy into what he was being told. Yeah, and who knows for that for that experience, he might be a much better player because he, I, I think you I think you do have to accept that he needed to take some accountability for his performances and his trajectory and his fitness to this point yes he's had some rough injuries but at the same time it was quite clear you know multiple managers at both England and the club including Moise van Gaal not just Mourinho spoke about his fitness levels and his dedication and his attitude in training this wasn't just a Mourinho thing anyway ultimately he's matured at this point maybe maybe Mourinho's done more more good than harm in a way and actually, he's been somewhat of the catalyst for him. And maybe Luke Shaw, before every match, throws a dart at a Mourinho picture on the wall. And then that's what leads to the Don't great we performances. All? Don't we all do that? <laughs> <laughs> Just every night before bed, Nick, yeah. Um, so there's one last player. And in fact, it was a player who Mourinho brought to the club, uh, Diogo Dallo, who again, like some people might not realise, was at the Euros. But yeah, he was the last one to arrive there. Only came because uh, I think it was Samedo got injured. Somebody got injured. Uh, so yeah, he got called up late. And he'd actually played in the under-21 Euros like the month before and apparently had done really well, which is why he was called up to the senior squad. Uh, didn't expect him to play. But then, yeah, we had this bizarre thing in that last Portugal game where Bruno is sat on the bench and Dallo is actually starting. Of course, you know, they're not competing for the same place. But, yeah, pretty weird for United fans to see that kind of scenario going on. Um, you know, we've been linked with right-backs. And if it's not happening, then, yeah, I actually wouldn't mind him coming back as a kind of squad player. I think he did relatively well at Milan. Uh, you know, he'd had injury issues and seems to have shaken that off. He's not a world beater, but I think he could be a decent squad player. And yeah, there had been this weird thing with Trippier, um, right, Ashwin. That at the start of the window, there was people were all saying, "Oh, we can get him for like ten million quid because he's got a year yeah. left on his contract." Then all of a sudden, now everybody said it seems that he he's actually got two years and he's going to cost like forty million quid. So I don't know if like our recruitment team have messed up badly and like actually working out what kind of contract he had, or maybe Trippier himself didn't even realise, uh, you yeah. know, because normally you'd expect that somebody from our club must have spoken to one of his representatives, and I think it's well possible that Trippier didn't even realise that there was some kind of option that Madrid were going to extend on him. Maybe he told his mates that he was going to sign for United <laughs> yeah. and they, should, they yeah. should yeah. put a bet on it. Maybe maybe that has something to do with it. I don't. Know. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I can't say i'm too bothered by it i i 
if the, if you could get him for you know what United thought they could get him for you know ten fifteen million euros, um, I would that would be fine at the price that Atletico won, which I think is like between thirty or forty million euros. That's not. I mean, he's thirty years old. That's a Mourinho at that point. That's a yeah, Mourinho yeah, time, yeah, so. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think that you can find. They clearly want some like veteran right back who can dep- who can provide competition um, and eat some. They want the right back version of Talos. Ashley Young, anyone? <laughs> Man. It, he's, <laughs> he signed for Villa, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He has actually. Serie A champion Ashley Young. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. He got his yeah, medal. Maybe we can that. get Darmian yeah. back too. Um, but no, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I just think that like if you want that type of right back, you can you can find that for cheaper outside like you don't yeah. need to go for Trippier. um you know yeah. I, and I I hope that they add somebody and if not like I would be I, I'm still completely fine with I and I've said this all of last season I thought Twan Zebe should have played a lot of right back last year um and I mm, I'm yeah, still I completely fine with if that's what nah. you have to do um I don't think I'll erase him at all I, I which I think is bananas but whatever um he, 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 I think he played one game at right back and was re- really quite good, and then just never had that chance again. I think that you know Ole should trust me and Nick here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look, that basically uh, rounds up all our players who've been playing over there. Uh, as I say, Cavani's also scored a couple of goals and is still going in the Copa America. Rest of our players are back, and it's crazy that by the time these tournaments finish, it's only then a month to the start of the season. Um, we are, I saw, yeah, I'm quite excited to get back to Old Trafford. Still not clear how many people are going to be there, whether it's going to be a full stadium. And mm-hmm. we've seen Wembley having 60,000 in, they're going to have 60,000 for the semis and the finals. So it's, it seems things are going in the right direction, but at the moment you just never know. Um, also quite exciting for me and uh, Jay stand is that for the first time since the 90s, Man United are putting back in a standing section, which is in my area. And there's just actually saw the pictures of it going in this week. So I do hope that like we can all be back in the stadium. The first game of the season is Leeds United mm. that we missed massively last year, which is, you know, one of our biggest rivalries historically. Do you actually enjoy standing up all game, though? Of course I do, yeah. I mean, we already we stand in Jay's anyway, stand right? game. Yeah. Like from, you know, Alex has been there a couple of times. So in, in Jay's stand for the last two or three years, it's been kind of, you know, they've turned a blind eye to it, even though actually technically it's not allowed because it is like relatively dangerous to stand in a seated area because if like people move too much, you can all fall down. So that's why it's much safer if people are standing for it to be in a proper like safe standing, what they call rail seat kind of setup. And this week, yeah, Old Trafford has been getting converted to that in Jason. Brilliant. So yeah, like I say, something I'm really looking forward to next season. Uh, yeah, We will come back and round up the Euro well, stuff. Well, before that, Sorry, two two quick things from me. First, what's crazier, England beating Germany in a knockout game at a tournament or United buying a right winger? <laughs> England England knocking out Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Germany. I don't know, you know. I don't know. I, I, I saw actually like one of the papers, one of the absolutely useless papers, the Sun or the Mail or some, one of the rubbish ones, it said like, you know, oh, finally it ends like 55 years of hurt. I was like, well, you know, we've only reached like the quarterfinals. It's not like a big, it's not like we're anywhere near yeah, winning like no, the tournament yet. So, you know, and we have beaten Germany at other times. All right, we haven't beaten them in a knockout uh, tournament for all that time. But yeah, I think making a bit too much of a deal of it there. But yeah, it was a big win. Fair. It did feel good. Uh, 
United have bought three right wingers in the last twelve months. A good, a good right winger, a good right winger. I saw one thing maybe a couple of weeks ago where it said that uh, actually Dortmund had uh, started talking to Ahmad's representatives last summer uh, because they thought you know if United came in for mm. Sancho they would buy him and he would be the next one they'd sell out. Could he be going going the other way in alone? Maybe that'd be interesting, but I think it's. I mean that. In some way, that speaks well to the alleged uh, overhaul of our recruitment process, that at least they did identify a top target. Yeah. Okay, cool. Then the very last one from me. Sorry, Nick. I know you're desperate to get off, but stick or twist, Jaden Sancho? (laughs) (laughs) No no comment. (laughs) (laughs) Definite twist. Sorry, I'm done. I'm done. Well, before we finish off, uh, we do have to give a shout out to our sponsors, Manscaped. Uh, Europe's best football is back this summer for the Euros. Avoid a Marouane Fellaini bush in your midfield and clean up your midsection with Manscaped. Proud sponsors of the United Hour podcast. I was glad, actually, that they've thrown in a Fellaini thing in their kind of blurb. Like, it actually looks quite money well for, for us. <laughs> Does he get money for being included, like, as a, as a bull, bull's well, pubic hair <laughs> no, reference. No way does he. No way does he. I think that Manscaped have done pretty well on their research here. I remember when we started doing their stuff and it was just like, you know, American-centric and I'm glad to see they're making an effort and throwing in some Premier League references for our audience here. But yeah, yeah look. I heard they were going to I heard they were going to sponsor a billboard saying welcome to Manchester for Jaden Sancho's return. So Yeah. Yeah, thanks for that, Alex. And uh, that's enough of your uh, interruptions here. Thank you very much. I'm trying to finish my Manscaped blurb. You know, we're getting paid for this. Manscaped. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with an exclusive offer for you 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code UnitedHour. Anything else now, Alex? Come on, let us know what else there. It's coming home. Hopefully, yeah. By the time we get back on, England will be rolling on. Uh, I, I, look, I still expect England to mess it up at some point. But look, let's see. Maybe Southgate can take these boys on. Alex is convinced for sure. Absolutely convinced. Uh, Buzzing. Are you actually or, convinced? Yeah. You, you wind us up that often. Are you actually convinced? Yeah. It's coming home, man. Right. Come on. All right. Oh, why not? I, look, I'm expecting England to get to the final. I think we may. I think we're going to lose. My prediction is that England lose to Italy in the final. But that's that's where I'm at. And uh, look, let's see. Let's see where we, we, you can. We'll play that at the start of the next pod we do to see how far off I was. Uh, but yeah, that's good night for now. Love you all. Good night for me. Yeah. Good night. Sports Social Podcast Network.